What up fam, I'm Elena, a certified nutrition coach, personal trainer, and hormone specialist. I'm a former public educator turned holistic fitness coach, and I'm on a mission to disrupt diet culture and educate individuals on how they can heal their gut issues, hormone imbalance, and food relationships caused by chronic dieting, inflammation, and autoimmune or chronic illness. My philosophy for coaching is simple. Eat more, move better, feel amazing, because life is too short to feel like shit. So let's dive in. Welcome everybody to another episode of What the Funk, where we tackle health, hormones, and healing without losing your damn mind, because let's face it, it's a jungle out there. And I'm so, so excited for today's episode because we have uh, Dr. Daisy Anglo with us today on the podcast. And if you are not following her, you definitely should be. Um, I will make sure to link her Instagram down in the bio below. But I wanted to bring her on today because she's doing something very unique and in my opinion, really groundbreaking and very necessary within the medical industry. And just serving a community and people who are essentially just wanting to feel better in a different way than what we would typically see, I think, from doctors, even, even amongst naturopaths, because, you know, I, and, and I'll let her give herself an introduction. Um, but once we kind of get the conversation going, and once you go follow her page, you guys will understand exactly what I'm talking about. But um, go ahead and tell us about you, who you are, how you got to where you are today, and a little bit about your story and your why and why you're doing things differently in the industry. Yes. So as you mentioned, I'm a naturopathic doctor. Uh, my journey is interesting. I feel like this medicine really chose me. I grew up struggling with chronic asthma. And uh, interestingly enough, of course, I was put on heavy steroid medication. By the time I was nine years old, I already had stretch marks because of all the steroids. I was on medication. I couldn't even enjoy just being a child solely from the purpose of I'm on medication, I have asthma, and that's it. Go about your life, you know? There was never an education about what else could I do besides being on steroids and inhalers all the time. And it was interesting, when I was 15 years old, I came to school in Massachusetts. I was reading the Times magazine, and this man, I don't know, it was super weird. This man actually cured himself. I can say cure, it's not, you cannot really cure asthma, but he like relieved his asthma from exercise. And I thought, wait, what? I have exercise-induced asthma, and I can use asthma to like act to exercise to actually help myself that's just wild to me and it started as simple as that I paid attention to what he mentioned in his story nutrition changing your diet changing your mindset around your illness he kept saying like you're not your disease you know it's maybe a part of who you are for a hot sec and it kind of takes over your life when you have a chronic condition but you're not this is not it this is not the end and slowly but surely exercise gave me my life back and when I went to college, I always knew I was going to pursue medicine. I knew that for the get-go, but I never really knew about naturopathic medicine, but I knew I wanted to do medicine. I'm like, wait, naturopathic medicine is a world where I can have both the West and the Eastern medicine, understand nutrition better, understand how the body works in addition to how we can support it with daily lifestyle modification and nutrition, I am in. So I went all in, not really knowing what it was going to look like years later, I have to be honest. I almost dropped out a few times. I'm like, it's going to be interesting. How do, am I going to like explain to people that you can heal yourself with food? 
But surely enough, our world has changed so much. Everyone is going back to the root cause of things, wanting to use what they have in their medicine cabinet, sorry, what they have like in their cabinets at home as far as spices and foods to heal themselves. We are in a society now, we want to learn more about how we can just use food as medicine. I think that's why I love what you're doing. And I think it's important to have people like me that help navigate this conversation with people are looking for us, you know, it's not easy to find us, but we're out there. (laughs) Yeah. And I think it's important to recognize too, that even in the realm of like Western medicine, and obviously as a doctor, there are time, there is a time and place for you know, Western remedies, especially like with acute issues, relieving immediate, um, you know, symptoms and even, you know, dealing with life-threatening situations potentially, or we need to take some serious, some immediate interventions in in an acute time period, but this is not going to be the thing that you're going to be doing maybe for the rest of your life, because we need to actually fix what caused the problem in the first place. Um, and so can you tell us a little bit about sort of your thoughts on, you know, where you really find the balance between Western remedies, prescription medication, and the essentially that, that lifestyle change, the using movement, using nutrition, using stress management, quality sleep. Um, where is that sort of sweet spot that you have found with that in your own practice? Yes, I like to meet people where they're at. I want to know, like, I ask them question, do you know about this? Are you educated about your condition? If it's type 2 diabetes, for instance, I believe it's reversible, but yet some people have, are given metformin or insulin, not knowing how to support their bodies, work on their stress, their diets. Um, I understand conventional medical practices don't have the time to teach patients. It's about the insurance. It's very quick, fast. And again, when you're meeting someone and their levels are just dangerously high, medication will be warranted. We need to get those levels low enough for them to even function at times and feel well, right? And then we have to have an education about the nutrition, the diet. Can you do it? How much of it can you do? Let's have medication on board. Let's work on supplementing your diet with what it needs, which often is in the form of supplements you may have to be taking, but let's work on the lifestyle and the diet piece and the stress management and the movement. So I really meet people where they're at, how educated they are about their condition, how long they've dealt with it too, because chronic conditions will take a little bit longer time to you know be dealt with versus someone that's more acutely newly pre-diabetic or diabetic versus someone who has an A1C of 13, 14, you know, that's, that's just, it's a trajectory down. So I like yeah. to meet them with that and I ask them, frankly, what do you think you can do? Do you think you nutrition? Do you think you can change your lifestyle? Do you think you can add movement? What does your schedule look like? What does your life look like? Is it going to really impede your way of living? If I'm adding, asking to do all these things, because sometimes we need to impede your way of living. We need to change how you are doing things because clearly it's not working for you. You're ill. You're in my office wanting change, right? But how much are you ready for change? Sometimes yeah. they go back, they come, they fall off the schedule, then they come back again. I'm like, okay, it's totally fair. That's the journey. It's always the highs and the lows by meeting where they're at. And then we work, we, 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 we talk, we talk about what's going on. Yeah. And I think that's part of the reason why, like, I appreciate you so much and what you bring even into the online space and the social, you know, on your social media page is, you know, I feel like a lot of our values are very similar where, you know, we're wanting to meet people where they're at and get them to take those steps necessary to slowly kind of turn that dial. So that way 
they're not living the same lifestyle that got them to where they are right now. Um, especially in the case of like, I love that you mentioned, you know, type two diabetes being reversible because when we think about it, it is, and just, you know, a little bit of education piece for the audience. And I I've talked about this, I think several times on the podcast type two diabetes is more, most of the time, a lifestyle induced disease that sort of follows a path of sort of insulin resistance into metabolic syndrome, into, into type two diabetes, where your body goes through these metabolic adaptations, trying to keep up with a high stress lifestyle, standard American diet, um, lack of exercise, chronic stress, and then the sort of progresses through this. And the type two diabetes is, is essentially your body's way of really forcing you to now pay attention. It's now screaming. We're like at DEFCON five, like pay attention to me because if it does go unmanaged, it can turn into more serious chronic, you know, issues can sort of then sort of subsequently develop from that even further down the road. So every time, you know, I see somebody come in and, you know, you can, you know, add your two cents to this as well, but letting people and educating people and having them understand that where they are today is not a result of what happened two months ago or sometimes even three months ago, but it's something that's been maybe building for months or years. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, when someone told me recently, I never knew I was pre-diabetic. I'm like, well, it was never checked for you. They never ran a basic A1C test. And she's yeah. like, wait, what, what's that? And I'm having to educate her again with insurance companies. Sometimes doctors are quite stuck in what they can yeah. and cannot do. So a lot of physicians, clinicians are going to that more cash pay model that allows a bit more flexibility, what we can do in our practice. But yeah, that's just a basic I think $13 test or something that can tell us where you're at and how we can best support your body to reverse the disease, to prevent from having type two diabetes and heart disease and whatnot. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a little tough sometimes. Yeah, it is really tough. And so I think now that's a great segue. I love what you just said, because the next thing I wanted to talk about is this, you know, I, I get frustrated as a coach as somebody who works now, I'm not somebody that's reading labs to be diagnostic. If I see something and it's flagging disease, I'm always telling my clients, make sure you make a follow-up with your doctor that you get questions for this, but these are the lifestyle interventions that we're going to be taking to address this, but always keep your doctor informed, right? Because it's a partnership, but I'm not trying to ever replace somebody. I'm not a doctor, very much not a doctor, but I'm that sort of that, that missing link sometimes between somebody and maybe their general practitioner of how do we ask more questions? How do we get more information? And a lot of times we, my, my patient, my, my pages, my clients, unfortunately, as patients, when they start trying to ask questions and advocate and say, Hey, can I get a few more labs drawn? Even if they can't pull everything we ask for, can they maybe pull a few more things? Um, and I always try to coach them through, you know, a lot of doctors will either say one, it's not medically necessary or, or, which is, more or less frustrating. And sometimes I'm not sure if it's like, are they really saying that because they truly think it's not medically necessary, even though the biofeedback or symptoms is indicative of something else going on, or is it that their hands are sort of just tied by the insurance or is it sometimes a combination of both? Do you think? Cause again, you, you probably, you have patients that have been through this song and dance before, right? So, so what is your take on that when people are trying to advocate and ask for more information from like a general practitioner, like primary care physician. 
Yes, I think it's both, you know, and I also believe that it's it's truly dependent on what kind of insurance plan you have. Um, I have women that I work with that have their labs really well covered while working with me with their insurance companies. And then I have some people that have such high deductibles, they can't get anything covered. So there's a bit of both. I was working with a patient recently who has struggled with infertility. And she has Hashimoto's, which is an autoimmune form of having hypothyroidism. And I told her, hey, guess what? There's a lot of literature about Hashimoto's and the increased risk of miscarriages and fertility challenges. And I referred her back to an endocrinologist to get labs done. And he said, no, she went to a second clinician. She wants to have a new endocrinologist. And she also said no. So now you have two clinicians that tell her, no, you cannot run basic antibodies lab that we need to see how your body is trending. Are you more inflamed, less inflamed? Because what they told her is that it's not medically necessary. And even if they're high, we can't do much about it. And that was kind of sad because we both know that's not true. There's so much wow. we do There's and so are still out there. I even gave her the paperwork. Show him this literature. What does he think about it? You know, these are PubMed, highly researched papers. And yet they still told her no. So my thinking is, okay, maybe there's an insurance piece or maybe they just truly believe that running antibodies won't do much for her, even though I believe this. So there's a yeah. bit of both. Sometimes they're tied, their hands are tied. Sometimes they just are so rigid about their way of thinking about the medicine that they don't have that more functional because some doctors have more functional or open so that more like holistic lifestyle. And some are just not. So it's gonna you just have to find who you're talking to, who you're working with, and how they're responding to you. Maybe this is a good fit, maybe this is not a good fit for you. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I hear that for sure. I recently had a client where we spent about five and a half, six months going back and forth with her endocrinologist about her thyroid medication, um, because she has Hashimoto's, but she's doing everything right. And she's feeling good and we're really managing stress and her food intake is solid, but she just could not lose weight. It didn't matter if we had her in a calorie deficit, didn't matter if we reversed her, she, her weight wasn't budging. And, and we had asked previously, I said, you know, you know, based on just seeing the trends in your, your free T3 compared to your T4 and your reverse T3, you know, you know, and your TSH is, is a general concept. I said, you know, you've been on love with Reaxin, which is T4, a T4 medication. And for those of you that don't know, T4 has to convert into T3 for our body to be able to use it. And that's what makes our, uh, that's, that's what makes our bodies go. And so sometimes throwing a T4 medication into a hypothyroid situation, whether it's just subclinical hypothyroidism or autoimmune disease, hypothyroidism, that doesn't mean your body's going to be able to use it effectively. Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. But it's, it's sort of the basic, it's the like first go-to, I feel like, um, for most doctors is love with Reaxin. And it's not bad. It doesn't mean that it's not going to work. I just don't always know if it's the most optimal situation for people, but we finally were able to, you know, get our doctor to agree to put her on sort of an equivalent dosage on a combo medication. I think she started, she started armor thyroid, um, versus the, the love with Reaxin. And all of a sudden she's like, I have so much more energy. And the scale started ticking down at a, at a fairly healthy rate for where we had her for activity levels. And before you know it, now we're like, you know, four or five months later and she's 20 pounds down. It's amazing. And it's, and it's insane that like something that small, but we really had to fight. We mm -hmm. really had to fight. Like she got so much pushback and, you know, I told her, I said, you know, if your doctor doesn't think it's a good idea, we'll obviously go with whatever they say. 
but yes. worst case scenario, you try it, you go back in eight, That's eight true. to 12 weeks, get your labs done. It's not a good fit. You go back to the level, like, exactly. and, exactly. like, no, it's true. It's true. That's the thing. Like, especially with um, hypothyroid conditions, um, it's always a balance. You never know where they're at. We always constantly have to reach check labs anyway. Mm -hmm. So it's like, after six weeks, it's not working move on to the next one. There are so many medication for low yep. thyroid out there that we can use. So I'm really pumped for you guys. That's actually yeah. amazing. Wow. It was so cool. Really cool. It was so cool. She's one of my clients that I've been with for, she's been with me for a really long time and she's done so much work. And it's like, this was almost that, like that missing um, piece where it's like, okay, we've done all I can. I need your doctor to work with us. <laughs> like we just need that extra missing piece. Um, and she feels so much better too. And I think that's the most important part is that she just is like, okay, so I'm not broken. Like I just needed to find the right dosage of medication. And they're still working on finding the right titration essentially of yeah. her dosage, but it's going well. And it's just, okay. So we're, but that, there, and anyway, it's interesting. It's just interesting yeah. to me how that thing works, but seeing that, you know, sometimes it's the rigidity, sometimes it's an insurance issue. Sometimes it's a, it's, it's, it's just a insurance coverage issue. Not even will they allow the doctor to pull it, but will they even cover it if they do pull it, you know, in that situation. And that's always a little scary. And so, you know, I think that's part of why people end up in this. Oh, you're fine. Mm -hmm. Oh, another question I wanted to ask, this just came to me. Um, I recently interviewed, um, one of my colleagues, she is also a functional coach, um, online, but she's also a registered dietitian. So she has kind of a unique view on the space. And one thing she kind of shared with me was a lot of times too, when you're seeing a doctor who's sort of more firmly rooted in like the Western medicine side of camp, camp side of that mm -hmm. side of the camp, a lot of times when they're looking at your labs, they're not necessarily looking for what's optimal. They're looking to see if you're dying. And if you're not dying, you're fine. Is that, is, what is your take on that? Is that, do you find that to be more or less true just depending on where you're at? Yes. I mean, I mean, we've seen all the Instagram posts out there because it's common. I mean, I mean, it's normal. Right. Optimal is not the same thing as what's optimal for you. We know this. We're all individual yet. They have pulled all these lab ranges from, yes, the U.S. population across men, women, all that. That's like a, that's a huge population of the U.S. Right. Uh, when I educate my patient, I'm like, labs came back. They don't know who you are. They don't know if you're a man or a woman looking at a CBC. They don't know what your lifestyle looks like. And so these are just information positive ones, negative ones. Oh, this is critical. We need to pay attention to it. But what is optimal for you? Vitamin D is a huge range from 30 to 100. So you want to tell me someone at 30 feels the exact same way that someone's at 100? Because I've been at 18 and I'm, when I was at 100, I felt completely different. So yeah. it's best to tell you that what the range, it's a range, but where do you fall within that range? Yeah. You look at hormone labs, you're looking at follicular phase, luteal, and menopausal, postmenopause, pregnancy labs. They're all different numbers. Every mm -hmm. cycle is unique to itself. Every cycle you'll feel a little bit different. It changes constantly. We're constantly evolving bodies. And yet we have labs that say, if you're at this level, that means it's bad. If you're at this level, that means it's good. Is it though? Where do you, yeah. how do you feel? The conversation about asking someone, how do you feel is the most important thing beyond what the labs are telling me. 
yep. sometimes I'm like, are you sure you feel good? Because this is not <laughs> looking too good. Like, I feel really good. I'm like, well, let's kind of boost you up a little bit more. So um, it's yep. a conversation. And then I'll look at the labs. Are they good? Are they bad? Let's how, how can we address it? Yeah. yeah. And a lot of times too, it's funny is I, you know, I always find, and this is just sort of anecdotal observations, you know, mm-hmm. and I learned this when I was sort of initially going through my first certification to kind of get a read on labs and how it plays into your sort of like what my scope of practice is as, you know, a nutrition coach. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, and you know, somebody going, one of my mentors at the time saying something along the lines of, even though too, even if you use a functional range and you try to find what's optimal, what might be optimal for one person is going to be different for another person. And, and again, it's like somebody might feel fine. Like, you know, like for me, for example, my TSH can run a little bit lower and I feel fantastic than maybe somebody else's theirs maybe needs to be closer, a little closer to like, you know, two, mine can be a little closer to one and I'm fine. Oh, and that's the other thing too. You know, sometimes people will go to a GP and they'll get a thyroid level or get something. And even basic markers like a TSH, those are circadian. And then they're like pulling a TSH at like two o'clock in the afternoon. And I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah. Hormones What's happening? change throughout the day. Hormones change throughout the day, throughout the, um, every single day they change. Every hour they change. I mean, we discussed saliva testing before how cortisol is high in the morning and slowly trickles down at night. So again, these, these are all important, you know, lab values, but are they, they're indicative of that time you want to get them done. Yeah. Yeah. And I even too, again, had another conversation with somebody else. It was another coach. I was at a conference and we were talking about cortisol and like, you know, they're like, you know, cortisol serum is not like my favorite. And I was like, you know, I know there could be a lot of things that can impact it, but you know, when you've been with somebody working with somebody and you've got three labs in a row and they're in a pretty tight range, you're like, I can pretty much say that this is going to be more or less spot on because there's too many consistencies happening across these last, like you know, 12 to 16 weeks that we've drawn these things or what have you, or, you know, you get something and it's really close more than once in a serum lab and, and the, you know, different testing and the accuracy of different testing. That's a whole other conversation. I feel like for a whole other day and, you know, when's a serum lab appropriate, when's a Dutch test appropriate, you know, all those things. And that, again, that's a whole other conversation for another day, but it is so true. And so I, I think the big takeaway that we sort of, that I'm hoping that you guys are getting from this as you're listening is that you're an individual, um, that if you don't, if you haven't, if you've been, if you've asked for labs and you have been told, no, keep asking, maybe it's a matter of finding the right provider, you know, um, and, uh, finding somebody who's sort of maybe more in that middle ground and is able to work the system a little bit to help you get what you need. Um, or there's also out of pocket options. And a lot of times people have to go out of pocket to sometimes get the answers they need because they're not getting them from the basic stuff that they're able to get pulled, maybe due to insurance constraints, maybe due to doctor preferences, things like that. Um, and I know that, you know, you have those resources for your patients as well. And I have those resources for my clients as well. Um, and so educating yourself on where you can get these other things. And I actually have, um, uh, I think I have, I did like a loom video that talks about different labs, how to maybe ask for them. And if your doctor says no, where you can find them. Um, and so I'll make sure I leave that link down in the descriptions below, but I, I feel like we're all entitled to know this information about our bodies. We all are. I wish it wasn't so hard to get. 
really frustrating um whenever someone's another thing when someone tells me like my doctor never called back I'm like oh okay so does that mean it's bad I'm like I don't know if it's bad or not you know when we get labs and they don't get a call back for the clinician most likely everything is fine for the person waiting it's like oh is it good is it bad where do I fall and yeah. they wait sometimes weeks, sometimes sometimes they never get a call back until they call themselves the office to find out what's going on people just want to know answers and they're entitled to that yep yep you are entitled to know the information about your own body um mm-hmm. and sometimes sometimes you have to be a bit of a pain in the ass to get yeah. the answers that you want to get and so don't be afraid to take up that space and advocate for yourself and and be a little bit demanding if you're struggling to get the response that you need from your medical providers, because at the end of the day, you deserve to feel good. Exactly. Simple as that. It's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. Um, all right. So, uh, on to the next sort of section that I wanted to, uh, come up with. And I, I know I prepped you about this before we started the episode today, but just common medications that get used long-term, <laughs> your thoughts on them, some maybe alternatives. Now, I think I've shared my thoughts on some of these things just over the con- over the course of my content, but I want to bring in a new perspective, a new opinion. Um, and just because you have a different wealth of knowledge than somebody else would, you have a unique perspective being that you are a doctor. So birth control, go. <laughs> Um, for me, it's about timeline. I always, even when it comes to supplements, I tell my patients, this is how long I want you to be on it. This is what I'm expecting when it's working well and what is when it's not working well. So they have like, oh, I'm looking for these potential symptoms when things are good or when things are not so good. Um, birth control is again, I love birth control. Okay. So with birth control, everyone's just on it. They don't know sometimes why they're on it. Um, I have acne. I'm on birth control. Cool. I have bad period. I'm on birth control. Birth control, in my personal opinion, don't shoot the messenger is to prevent birth. Um, so if you are on birth control to manage symptoms only, that's kind of when we kind of go in the wrong way of thinking about it. Um, I'm very pro-women, pro-choice and all that, choosing yeah. what your body needs. But if you're managing solely symptoms with birth control, these symptoms will likely reverse once you're off of them. So that's like my ultimate thing. Like, okay, you have endometriosis. Sure. Is it, do you really have endo? Is there something else going on? You're on birth control. Now you're off of birth control. You want to get pregnant. You're still in pain. Nothing has changed from when you were 15 to now 28, wanting to be um, to be better, to better your body. So that's one thing. Now, birth control also happens when you want to use medication, depending on how you're using it, that also depletes your body of so many nutrients. We're seeing so many women struggling with those health conditions. Like, oh, it's all about estrogen. Is it though, or are we just a generation that has been on birth control from the moment we just had our first period and now it's like we're 30 trying to have a child and we can't? So it's like cool, yeah. Estrogen might be the issue, but is it really? But, but like, how did you get there? How do you get there? Our um, conditions are mostly prominent women. A lot of conditions that um anxiety, depression, all this is so much more prevalent in some of our women, and it's like what have we been doing for the last 15 years that are have conduced these now symptoms as we're right. aging older? So birth control is definitely one. Um, I do, I have prescribed birth control in some women to prevent birth. Yes, and, one- and in that situation, <clears throat> you're probably telling them, hey, we're on this, but these are the preventative measures that we're going to do yes. to mitigate the negative ramifications of you being on this. 
Oh, for sure. Liver support, yes. dim, all the things, all the herbs, detox, saunas, working out, they're all on it. And I, every time, every year, I'm like, I only have one patient on birth control. I'm like, come on, you're losing, making me lose my record here of having no one on birth control. But <laughs> it's truly to prevent birth and I'm all for it. So that's yes. the only thing. There are so many types of birth control that not all work the same ways. Or anything like that. Um, I'm not a fan of any birth control that's stopping bleeding forever and ever. Um, I feel like we should be bleeding. I've seen high iron on labs just from not bleeding in some women. So yeah, yeah. I've actually seen like high ferritin and high iron. I'm like, whoa, you have hemochromatosis? No, no, no. You're on birth control. You, have, you haven't bled for five years. No, if you're Thanks. not bleeding for five years, you're in menopause. That's all. <laughs> not 15, not bleeding. So yeah, yeah. So birth Love and hate, love and hate. <laughs> yeah. I, I have a similar opinion where I'm like, if you're going to be on it, let's be on it with intention and awareness. Like yeah, I have some funny. clients that are on it and they're like, this is the right choice for me. I'm like, cool. Yeah. Let's put, let's put some, let's put some things in place to make sure that it doesn't totally <laughs> mess you up. Like, exactly. you know, let's be preventative and let's be intentional with it. And if you start to have more issues, then that's an additional conversation that we need to have. But I also have a lot of clients that have come to me and they've been like, I want to get off birth control because I don't like how I feel on it. I'm having the issues. And the, the big thing I think we have to remember too, for females, right. You mentioned just like heart disease even. And, you know, I, I always am thinking too of like brain fog, <laughs> you know, and the potential risks of Alzheimer's or dementia and thing or dementia, various forms of dementia, you know, as we age, um, and even, you know, the nutrient deficiencies, the bone health and stuff like that. Um, estrogen and progesterone are cardio or neuroprotective. Like we mm. need those. And if you're on birth control, sometimes for extended periods of time without really doing anything to support your body and your hormones, you know, you're, you're running the risk of potentially putting yourself in the line of fire for some major issues down the road that you don't want to deal with. Your family doesn't want to deal with, like, it's not, it's not always a good thing. And so, um, I think it's sometimes very hard for people, especially women in their twenties and thirties to think ahead of what does life look like when I'm 60 or 70 years old, but yeah. what you are doing now will impact that. I know, I know. And that's the education again, the, the education piece. Everyone just birth control, not knowing all these potential side effects, um, weight gain, anxiety, depression, um, again, your bone health down the line. So yeah, it's like, it's just candy. Take it. I'll see you in a few months. If anything is wrong. <laughs> okay. See you in, at 60 when I'm like not doing so well. <laughs> I know it. I know it. And I, I feel like I have almost, I don't know, maybe more of a front row seat to, um, you know, my, my dad's not in the best of health. He's dealing with Alzheimer's kidney failure, heart disease. Like just, he's, he's, he's quite, he's quite, he's quite a specimen to look at from a medical perspective, but even for men too, things like being on statins for super, super long time, blood pressure medication for super long time, being on things like PPIs for a super long time. Again, all these things are great. Like you said, when there's sometimes an acute situation where we need to take preventative measures now to get your body back to a baseline. And then it's time to come in and, and make those changes. So even if you're a dude and listening to this and you're like, well, I'm not on birth control. If you're a dude and you're still listening to this, kudos to you for hanging around. Cause you know, we talked about birth control for like 10 minutes, <laughs> but it matters for, it matters for men too. So, you know, you ladies, if you have a guy in your life that you care about and he's pop in prescription medicine, like candy, you know, have a sit down with him and ask him, Hey, like when was the last time you ate a vegetable? 
are you getting, are you getting seven to eight hours of sleep a night? <laughs> like, what does this look like? Cause those things matter. They matter long-term. Yeah. I think like statin, omeprazole, for me, it's just all about timeline. What is our end goal here? When are we stopping this? When are we actually taking time to reverse this disease or whatever that looks like for a person? So, yeah. yeah, absolutely. So you have sort of a unique your practice is set up in a unique way compared to what I've seen. So because you serve some of your patients, you serve most of your patients virtually, correct? Yes, correct. Yes. So, um, you know, if there is anybody in the audience who is sort of like looking for a doctor who has these values, <laughs> uh, you know, hint, hint, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about your practice um, why you have it set up the way you set up and sort of, you know, how that's serving your mission and your vision for your, for your patients, essentially to make people's lives better. I would love to hear about this. And I think the audience would be really interested to hear about it because it is unique. It's different. I love it. It's incredible. I absolutely, I'm obsessed with everything that you're doing. So tell us about your practice, how you serve your patients. And if somebody is in the market, um, how they could potentially get in touch with you to seek out, you know, working with you, with, with you as their medical provider. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny. I actually did not hope to be fully virtual. I was in person. I moved from a really busy practice where everything was in person and to starting my own where I was in person. And the pandemic kind of made things a little bit interesting. I had patients coming in then leaving then traveling all the time. It came, it came clear to me that they will not come to see me in person. Right now, they all want to come to see me in person. So I'm going to likely move to a hybrid model in the future. Nice. But um, virtual has worked tremendously well because I've now created a platform where they can be with me at any point of their day at the grocery store, looking up things and sending me messages. They feel like they have like a doctor on the go almost and like in their pocket. And it's created a level of comfort, um, a level of like relationship of understanding, but just a level of like, okay, I have someone that's going to be there for me every step of the way during my healing journey, which is mm -hmm. quite conventional to some maybe more you know, more MD, DO practices where sometimes you only talk to a PA or the medical assistant, the nurse practitioners, not to say that they're not qualified to talk to the patient, but sometimes having that higher level person there that they want to talk to directly has become a little bit difficult, right? That's why yeah. they come to like you as a coach or they want to work with me as a naturopath because they want that, that like middle person that's between their medical doctor and their goal for wellness yeah. so I love virtual I love being able to send like test kits to my patients houses so they can do them at home I have people that get a little bit queasy about blood labs like actual serum labs so now we're doing like saliva testing or urine testing or little finger prick testing so that has helped a lot of them and I think it's just being able to be like I'm traveling to wherever can I still talk to you sure talk to me whatever you are and that level of comfort is really really helpful um there are some conditions that I will not work with virtually solely because I'm not here to physically assess you and touch your body and I cannot do a neurological exam on you if you're having you know seizures so there are women that I or men that I don't work with but when it comes to gut health hormonal health cholesterol, diabetes, a lot of those lifestyle conditions, 
I'm like, let's work together. And as far as finding me, it's been interesting because social media has been the ultimate platform for me in terms of reaching out to women. Because as you know, we're in this generation of constantly consuming information. So people are just out there looking for people like you and I that are going to help them get their help back on track with the most natural approaches as possible. So we're just out there. You have to do a little Google search or a little Instagram search, whatever that looks like. But almost every single person has found me through social media, which I'm very grateful for because it's kind of free. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's amazing. I mean, Instagram is connecting me with so many. That's how I found you on Instagram. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's how I connected. I have found so many amazing other colleagues and people that yes. are really on a mission to make people's lives better at the end of the day, because that's what it's about. Um, and you know, something I think that's so unique and what I appreciate about your practice and what you do for your patients is you probably are dealing with a population of individuals who've maybe dealt with some level of medical gaslighting who have been made to feel like their symptoms are made, you know, they've been told, Oh, it's just in your head. You're fine. Um, go exercise and eat a carrot. <laughs> like they, yeah. so they've been through that ringer. And so to have that level of support from a medical provider, when that's maybe not been their experience before, maybe they got lucky and they found you first, but that's usually, not I find case. that that's usually not the case with people. No, I talked to so many people and they're like, man, I wish I found you like a year ago, two years ago, three years ago. And it's just like, I'm so sorry that you went through this. Like, it's not, it's not good to have that feeling. And, um, you know, I think one of the most, you know, just valuable pieces of feedback that I get from people as I talk to them, even if I'm just talking to them in the DMS or they're, they're a client of mine. And they're just like, I just feel so validated. I feel seen. I feel like I'm not crazy. And yeah. that mindset of knowing that it's not all in your head and there is a path forward goes a long way to somebody's healing journey. A hundred percent. They don't feel stuck anymore. Anymore. I was almost late to our um, call this morning because I was messaging a patient who went to the ER this weekend because again, she did not feel very well. And the next thing she tells me is that, should I talk to you or my PCP? I don't feel well talking to him. And that was like really disheartening for me because she has great insurance. You should be able to talk to her primary care and feel validated and feel seen. And the last year has been him telling her that it's all in her head. And then when I'm me doing labs and saying like, no, it's not. These are what labs are telling me. There's inflammation in your body. Let's work on it. So um, against the relationship, it's the trust. Uh, I will say that if you're able as even a conventional physician to have that relationship, that trust with your patient, their healing will like happen beyond the use of medication or uh, supplements, just that almost placebo like effect of just like, hey, I feel seen, I'm heard. He's taking he or she's taking the time to talk to me. Okay, I got this. You know, it's yes. just that feeling of like I can go on about my day, like feeling confident about what, what I'm doing, what I'm putting in my body, why I'm moving my body, I'm gonna get the results. It's just like really empowering, and that's really exciting. It is, it is very cool. All right. Well, I so, so appreciate you being here with us today. Um, I, I know it was sort of, <laughs> we, we played calendar tag for a while to nail down a day. 
I think a couple different times for this interview. So I've been very much looking forward to this for a while. Um, and thank you so much. Um, audience members, I will leave, um, the Instagram and also website link down in the show notes, um, for Dr. Daisy and, uh, make sure you go give her a follow. She puts out great informational content with context with context, because a lot of times, you know, information gets shared without context, but she's so, so it's a huge educational boon to the online community. And if you are in the, uh, you know, network for a new doctor, maybe an additional team member, you know, additional piece to your medical team to help fill in that gap. Um, she go, go give her a follow and see, you know, see what she's all about. Um, thank you so much for being here with us today. For having me. I love talking to you. This is so awesome. It was a great conversation. I'm so glad. All right, you guys, thank you so much for being here and I will catch you on the next one. Thank you so much for tuning into the What The Funk podcast. Be sure to leave a rating and a review and don't forget to take a screenshot. Tag me on Instagram. My handle is at elena.m.fit. I would love to hear what you want to hear on the podcast. I do respond to DMs. I would love to talk with all of you. I'm so excited for you being here today. Thank you so much for the support and I will see you next time. Just a quick disclaimer for the information found in the What the Funk podcast. I am not a licensed medical professional, mental health professional, or registered dietitian. The advice and recommendations given out on this channel and on this podcast are not intended to diagnose or treat any kind of medical condition or mental health condition. If you do think you have a medical condition, please speak with your medical provider. Please consult your medical provider before implementing any kind of supplement regimen or exercise regimen or nutrition regimen into your lifestyle, as well as be aware that listening to this podcast does not constitute a coach-client relationship. Thank you guys so much.